So very good to see you all. Actually, it's so good to see you from the front instead of from being in the back there. Usually, for those of you who don't know me, my name is, is Larry Ludy. Yeah, hey, we're good. thank you. Um, I am actually on staff here at, at Christchurch, although my most important job is, is working with Beth Garza in the back there and, and doing the lights, but I, I'm the HR guy here, and so, um, you know, people generally are well-behaved when I'm around, which takes all the fun out of my work, but that's... That's okay. It is, it, is, it is really good to be with you this morning, and I'm, I'm overjoyed to be part of this. Now, before, before I get started, um, I, those of you who were here last week heard Pastor Rob in his inaugural sermon, and a wonderful sermon it was. Um, if you have not had the opportunity to listen to him preach, I really encourage you to do that. His, his sermon's online. You can go there and listen to it. Um, and you, you heard that mission-focused, amazing message that, that he, he gave to us. Um, you also may have heard last Sunday that random yet pointed message to, um, to Packer fans um, that we may in in. in Indeed, just maybe might be included in God's master plan, <clears throat> which I appreciated. I appreciate. I told. I told myself, um, though, even though I'm despite here up here very often this morning, and and despite my affiliations to the teams north of the border and all of your questions, I you know I I am I'm not going to say I'm not even going to say the word Packers sitting up here. I'm not going to say it at all. I am not going to respond to his insights and his ponderings about what has happened up north of the border this week. I, I think that it is is something that we. Should should just kind of take the high road on, and, and I'm, so I'm just not going to do that. I'm, I'm not going to do that, nor, nor am I going to say a single word about the baseball team up there. I mean, I'm just going to keep this quiet, and I'm not going to mention what place they might happen to be in up, up there this week. I'm, you know, I'm going to take the high road this morning. That's what I'm going to do. I know, <laughs> but what can I say? Um, I am going to, however, talk to you about some other stuff. What I want to talk to you about this morning is shoes. I want to talk to you about shoes. Um, these shoes, th these are not mine. These, 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 are, these are my grandsons, and, and actually I found them in, in a garage sale um, last week that it, it seems like they're, they're on the way out and some new ones may be on, on the way in. Now, you, you have to admit that if you're a kid, you know, those are pretty darn cool. I mean, if, 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 um, if you wear a, a pair of shoes like, like that, I mean, you're, you're, gonna, you're gonna be noticed. I mean, today we have shoes like Nikes and, and Nike Air Forces and Adidas and Gucci's and New Balance and, and Air Jordan Metro High Metallics and the second mortgages that go out to pay for them. It's, it's all about feet. It's all about feet. I mean, they're, they're, not, they're not just a foot covering anymore. I mean, they're a statement. The, the shoes that, that kids wear today are, are, are more than just something you wear when you're playing ball. I mean, they're a, they're a, a confidence. They're a self-esteem. I mean, these shoes send a message. And when, I, when I was a kid, there weren't quite so many options as, as there are today in today's world. I mean, you can get Nikes, you can get Pumas. But most of the kids I played ball with sported the basic canvas, low-top, tie-up, Sneakers, white, and you got them from Sears. That was the plan. 
I, I remember the day when all that changed for me. I saw them for the first time advertised in my Highlights magazine. And from that day forward that I knew about them, the campaign with my parents was on. Because Nikes and Pumas, they were okay. But if you were really cool, I mean, if you were really cool, then the shoes to get, and the only shoes to get, were PF Flyers. I mean, that, that was it, right? I mean, that, that was it. I mean, look, if you buy PF Flyers, look what you get. I mean, just lacing these, these babies up meant that you could step up your athletic performance. You could, you could help prevent tired leg muscles. If you put these shoes on your feet in the morning, by the end of the day, your footwork was going to be improved. Guaranteed, it's in the ad. And more important than this, you'll go full speed longer just because of your shoes. I mean, let me see somebody do that with their Air Jordan metallic Nike Michael Jordan this and that. Not the same. I mean, wearing these shoes for me meant one thing. I was soon going to be courted by the Milwaukee Braves solely because I was wearing PF flyers and I could now go full speed longer. I mean, they were made by B.F. Goodrich, and B.F. Goodrich made tires, right? I mean, you had to go faster in these things just by putting them on. So my mom, my mom saved up, the, and I'm not making this up, the $5.75 that it cost to buy those shoes. And for my 12th birthday, I no longer had tired leg muscles, and my footwork was improved, and my athletic performance would soon be stepped up, at least that's what I believed. So what I want to talk to you about this morning is that. Feet. And, and, and what I want you to know is this. I mean, are you ready? I think, I think you need to listen to this very carefully. I think that you have beautiful feet. I mean, I, I, I know what you're thinking right now, besides who let this guy up here. You're thinking, you're thinking I can hear Andy Rooney's head, voice in my head right now. Feet? I've seen a lot of feet in my life. I've not seen beautiful ones, though. I've seen beautiful mountains, beautiful sunsets, beautiful flowers, but I wouldn't call feet beautiful. Now, would you? I, I would. Your feet, as a matter of fact, is what I would call beautiful. With or without PF flyers. This is the most important thing that I want you to hear this morning. And if you get in the car later on today and say, what did Larry talk about? This is it. This is what you're going to say. Larry talked about this. You have beautiful feet. Let me tell you what I mean. The text I, I, I'm going to read you in a few minutes is, is from the prophet Isaiah. I, Isaiah is, is my very favorite book in the Bible. It's filled with prophecy. It is, it is filled with visions. It's filled with, with, with foretelling the coming of the Messiah. It, it's filled with glimpses of, of, of God's heaven that, that waits for us. To, to understand Isaiah, though, you need to understand that Isaiah is not just one long book. It, it was not written by, by just one guy who was, who was called Isaiah. Isaiah is actually a compilation of writings written by three different authors over a period of over 200 years. 
The first 39 chapters of Isaiah talk about Israel and how Israel really messed up and, and they messed up big time. And in order for God to, to make amends, he says, I'm sending somebody in and they're going to destroy you and I'm going to send you away to a far off land. That's the first 39 books of Isaiah. Starting with chapter 40 of Isaiah, going through chapter 54, the Israelites are on that exile. They're in that faraway land, and the message changes, and all of a sudden it's, comfort, comfort my people. I haven't forgotten you. I'm coming to take you back. Hang on. I'll be there soon. I'm coming to get you. And then when we get to Isaiah chapter 55, they're back again, and the message is, okay, we're back. Now what? That's kind of the message of Isaiah. So, so that's the context in which you're going to hear these words. Listen to the text that we're going to talk about this morning. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Now, to understand these words, it's really, it's really helpful to understand the world when, when this Isaiah, the second Isaiah, was writing. The horrors of what the first Isaiah had, had prophesied had, had come to pass. They were true. The people that God, God had been faithful to were no longer faithful to him. They were unruly. They were unrepentant. They were self-focused and greedy and, and lost. And most importantly, they, f they forgot who was at the center of their lives. They forgot who and, and how to worship. They forgot to care for each other. They, they, they just forgot. And despite God's sending of lots of prophets and lots of preachers and lots of signs and lots of emails, they, they just turned their backs. So you see, God allowed this foreign army, the, the Babylonians, to come in and destroy them, literally destroy them. Not like just government buildings, but the whole land. They demolished every single building in Jerusalem to the ground. Any able-bodied person, male, female, child, was carted off to Babylon, and once they got there, families were separated into all different places, never to see each other again. They burned the crops around, around Jerusalem so that any who remained who escaped the massacre would simply starve. They defiled and they destroyed their church. And then they crushed every single stone of that church until only rubble was left on the ground. And then cruelest of all, they intentionally left a small handful, a, a remnant of, of people to stand on that rubble just to remember what it was like before. And it stayed that way for a long time. Seventy years, the people of Israel were gone. Long enough for an entire generation to come and go and, and forget the traditions and forget the practices and forget the faith of their ancestors. That's where our text comes in today. Right there. At that moment when the Israelites are standing on all of that rubble, wondering, Lord, have you forgotten? Have you forgotten us? At the end of that time of separation, 
our Isaiah comes through. Imagine. Imagine this with me for just a second. Imagine that you are there. That you, you are standing in, in the brokenness of that destroyed city. I mean, you, 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 you barely remember the, the, what things were like before the exile. You can hardly remember the melodies that you used to sing when you stood with your family in church. You, you, you can hardly remember the smell of the candles as they were lit on the days of the festivals. You, you can hardly remember why you celebrated the holidays or what your family did on those holy days. I mean, you hoped. I mean, you really hoped that one day maybe that could be reignited. But for the most part, that hope was fading and slim. As you are there in that scenario, you look up, and much to your amazement, you see a guard who's standing on the top of a guard tower of what used to be a crumbled wall that surrounded your city. And that guard is jumping up and down. He's literally dancing in that guard tower while you're there in the rubble. And he motions you. He says, come and see. Come, come and see. Come and listen to what I am hearing. And you, with all of your other friends who are standing there with you, you, you know that this might just be what you've been waiting for. And so you rush to the edge of the town and you look up into the hills and there, there, coming over the edge of the mountain, over the top of the hill, running at full speed, sprinting down the side of that hill, is a messenger. He doesn't look familiar. Well, maybe he looks a little like Eric, but for our purposes, he doesn't look familiar. Why is he running so fast? And you think, maybe, just maybe, he is the one who's wearing the PF flyers. He's the one who was sent to give you the news. And so before he even arrives, before he gets all the way down into the city, you jump up and at the top of your lungs you yell, hey buddy, I like your feet. That's what you say. I mean, really, that's, that's what you say. Because that's exactly the picture that Isaiah paints for us in Isaiah chapter 52. There's a messenger a, a, and, and a crowded remnant of survivors and saints standing on the ruins of their old, old hometown and they're looking up to the messenger and they're, they're telling him that they like his feet. Because you see, the phrase, I like your feet in Hebrew is the ancient way of saying, we are so glad that you are here. Tell us the good news. Bring us up to speed. You have beautiful feet. My dear friends, we are in the midst here in this place of a transition, aren't we? we we've, we've been together through so much. You heard Amy talk about some of those memories this morning. Esplanade. Fount I actually saw an Esplanade t-shirt this week, believe it or not. Esplanade, Fountain of Life. Histories merging together into one. New friends, departures of staff, challenges that we have faced together. Soon together, we are going to be welcoming a new messenger into this place together. A new pastor. Someone new 
who's going to sprint over the top of the mountain to bring us good news. And it's my prayer that we will embrace this new messenger as he, he breaches the top of that mountain and, and heads down Butterfield Road and, and comes to the doors of this church and that maybe there's a greeting party for him standing outside of the door and they're singing, welcome, you have such beautiful feet. Just maybe. There's a story I know about a barber. It's a very crabby barber. I mean, it seemed that nothing was ever good enough for this barber, nothing. Life was just a series of sighs and complaints. He was the kind of person who didn't see the cup half empty because he couldn't see a cup there at all. One day, a customer came into his shop, cheerful, whistling, joyful. What are you so cheerful about, the barber said. Well, I'm heading off to a trip to Rome, the customer said, tomorrow, and I am looking so forward to getting away. Ah, said the barber, don't do that. That costs more money than it ever rightly should. Everything is overpriced in Rome. You're gonna hate it. You're gonna need a vacation just to recover from your vacation when you get back. The buildings are old. The traffic is terrible. The people are grumpy. And the hotels all have poor service and bad food, every single one of them. Why in the world would you want to go to Rome? Well, said the man, I've never been to Rome. I like history. Maybe I'll even see the Pope. You, said the barber, see the Pope? The President of the United States doesn't even get to see the Pope. Cancel your plan. Stay home. You'll thank me later. A few weeks later, the customer came back in for another haircut. He was jovial. jovial. He was witnessing again, and the barber looked at him, and he said, well, obviously, you took my advice, and you didn't go to Rome. Oh, I did go to Rome, said the man, said. I had a great time. It was beautiful. The history was fascinating. The people were terrific. The food was fabulous. The hotel was beyond words. I even got to meet the Pope, said the man. You, said the barber, met the Pope? Yeah, said the customer. He even knelt down and he whispered in my ear. And the barber stopped cutting his hair. And he moved back from his chair and he said, he spoke to you? What did he say? Well, the customer said, he bent down, he cupped his hand over my ear, and he said, that's the worst haircut I have ever seen <laughs> in my entire life. <laughs> it is so easy in this world that we are in today to become crabby and, and cynical and angry and, and disillusioned. Masks or no masks. Vaccines or no vaccines. Safe, not safe. Partisan or non. Climate change and fires, floods and famine, cubs and socks, and I'm not going to say the football one. <laughs> it's just so easy in today's world to become, well, bitter. I mean, the times we live in are tough. They're confusing. No wonder it seems like every story we hear and everyone we talk to is just bitter. You know, it doesn't matter the generation you're in or the ideologies you support 
or the balance in your bank account or the number of friends you have on social media. Sometimes it just feels like the world in which we live is, well, just like that rubble that the Israelites stood on long ago. Just a ruinous mess. Maybe what the world needs still today is a messenger, a runner, but not, not any runner. I mean, did you hear in the text what, what the messenger said when he came down the side of the mountain? He didn't, he didn't say, hey, hang in there. It won't be long now. He might be here soon. He didn't say that. He didn't, he didn't say, chin up, keep your hopes high. God might be coming back before you know it. He didn't say that. He said, he said this. He said, listen, the Lord has comforted his people. The Lord has triumphed. In the Hebrew language, the way the messenger sings out in a message like this is called the perfect tense of those verbs. It means that the thing that is proclaimed has actually already happened. It's, it's already there. That's what the world needs. A messenger who knows how to sing out in the perfect tense. Someone who knows how to announce to our neighborhood to our world, to our community, that God has already done for them what they need to have done. No contingencies. Someone who knows how to shout out to this world, our Lord has triumphed. There is no maybe in that. It's done. God has done this for you. And you, you, are the recipients of that amazing gift. Any wonder why the people stood around that messenger and yelled out, you have beautiful feet. That is amazing news. Well, it's up to us now. We have some changes coming here. There's a new messenger who will soon be coming over the, the crest of, of our hill. Our new pastor is going to need some help, some encouragement, certainly our prayers. I'm wondering if you'll be, well, if you'll be available for that. We need people who are willing to grab their PF flyers and, and head out into the world to tell them what God has already done for them. We need people to care for the sick, to announce to our community that God has comforted his people, that our God has triumphed. But if, my friends, all you can do is come over that hill and look at the mess and say, wow, this is awful. Your life is a shambles. You don't pray right. You don't believe in the right things, you don't belong to the right group, you don't have the right background, that's the worst haircut I've ever seen. If that's all that you can say, then please don't say anything at all. I mean, they're standing on the rubble after all. Our job, our job is to sing it out 
in the perfect tense. Our job is to simply point to that cross. That's our job. You know, someday, when people look back at, at this time in, in our history, this time when we as a, as a church, as a congregation, rose up together, even stronger as people of God in mission, serving in love, singing in the perfect tense of the good news of God's triumphant salvation, they may just say, well, let's honor them. Let's, let's, let's honor them. You know, um, designate a plaque down there in the gym right over the fire extinguisher and, and just to remember of the things that, that you all, all did. Well, well, instead of a plaque or a statue, let's have them bronze our PF flyers and put them on the wall. And right below that, carve out the words into the foundations of this building and this congregation. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who bring salvation, who says to this world, your God reigns. Pray with me. Oh God, you have comforted your people. You are the triumphant living God. How beautiful are the feet of the messenger who brings that good news to us, to the world, who brings hope and promise, light and joy to those in need. Lord Jesus, send us. We are here. We say, Yes, Lord, we are available. Send us. Shape us into messengers who, when the world sees us, will rise up to shout out together how beautiful are their feet. Send us, dear Lord, willing and available to be your messengers and your servants to your people. Amen.